show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. I'm Hamish, now of extra battle axe, Steel. And I'm Jade, hair dye sold separately, Rose. And today <laughs> is the end of an era. So goodbye, folks. The end. <laughs> no, we won't do it like that. Um, we mentioned this a few episodes ago. Episodes ago, We've briefly said it since. We have decided to, at least in the form it is now, we're not saying we're never going to get between the mic, get the other side of a microphone ever again. But for now, we are putting Box Not Included to bed. Huge creative differences and conflicting personalities have meant that we must end this. It's intolerable. I can't do it anymore. No, um, no, I think we're close ever. It's just that I have a number of reasons why I think, personally. Yeah. And I know you do as well. I think, um, part of today's episode we're going to be looking at like how far we've come yeah but i think our lives are so different from when we started yes um our schedules are not what they used to be <laughs> no as you've probably noticed from how like um non-regular these episodes have become i know we announced a few weeks ago which was uh, or a few episodes a few, ago you know, a while gap but we were going to do fortnightly episodes which i always think is like the first um, sign sign of a podcast on the way out yeah um well, yeah we said this a few episodes ago that we would rather have a clear ending than peter out to nothing and then just have a long break yeah no we're not doing anymore yeah we wanted an answer to the question of um you know when's the next episode which is never yeah. <laughs> um, tragically we did not end it on episode 69 no nice. unfortunately um, 71 is a slightly weird one to end on. It feels like a good number. Yeah. Is it a prime number? Who knows? Look this up. Carry on. Um, we've had a few um, middle, you know, interlude episodes anyway, so it's not exactly 71. No. But um, another reason is that, um, so this is one for me. Um, I'm... It is a prime number. Very nice. It's very us. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons... I'm feeling like I want to stop this particular podcast is I'm making attempts to enter the professional broadcasting professional broadcasting world um I want to be a person of my word and make the content I have said I've wanted to see over all these episodes and it would be really annoying if my <laughs> I'm would... just fiddling with the microphone, don't mind me. That was probably really loud as I'm closer to the mic. <laughs> it's fine. Um, my, um, I want to be able to make the content that I have said I wanted to see. Yes. And it would be really silly if the reason it didn't happen was I was shitting on a show that yeah. someone I was involved with. Not that I think they'd listen to this, but like, I don't want to get any to any trouble. And it's not me copping out. It's no. me, like, I'm going to try and change things from the inside. Yeah. Um, we got a man on the answer inside that <laughs> Hamish Steele doesn't map nicely onto Hercules Mulligan, but the thought was there. <laughs> um, but that's the thing. I mean, I increasingly, the stuff we're talking about are made by people I know or I have, like, a one degree of separation from. Yes. Um, and I want to give at least a go at trying to, like, make content myself that reflects my values um mm. 
And so I, I just want to be a little bit more careful of what I say. Yeah. Follow me on secret Twitter if you want to see all the salt. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know we have other reasons. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm doing a lot more uh, tabletop gaming. And I know I joke about it a lot, about how it has consumed my existence. But I stream twice a week. Um, I have my own personal commitments. I'm part of an actual play podcast now. I'm very sorry that there will be consequences. Did not materialise. I realised that I needed that game to be something private mm. so I could enjoy it more. Because podcasting, the way I want, the kind of podcast I want to create requires work to make it sound good. Mm. And I don't ever want to release stuff that I wouldn't want to listen to. Yeah. And so it's a matter of spreading myself too thin or not wanting to spread myself too thin. And with, like, busy schedules as well, I don't ever want talking to Hamish about media to feel like an obligation. Yeah. And I worry. I was worried that it might get to that point where the only times we were going to talk would be to do a podcast about it. Yeah, and I think I'm very proud of all of the episodes of Dan. Same. But there's the odd catch up when we haven't caught up on enough. And yeah. I sometimes feel like if I'm doing this podcast, it should be part of my objective to seek out media I wouldn't normally. Yes. And I did, I've done that a few times. But I don't feel I've done it enough for certain. Yeah. And there's often we've talked about topics that maybe we should have had a guest on, but organizing yeah. that's been tough. Or, you know, even in a few of our recent episodes, we're talking about films that we haven't seen yeah we talk about wanting to get our the whole premise is like geek culture and the media we love and love from a queer perspective we weren't and we don't necessarily have the means to engage with the media we want mm. to and give our perspective on it yeah i've often felt sometimes we're just parroting what we've heard, read and, heard and that's you know valuable enough but um there are other shows like this and other people talking about these topics yeah i know we do as well um, on our private accounts. Um, I just... And also, we did cover a lot of topics. Yeah, I'm proud of our body of work. We, yeah, I think almost every, like, element and trope of, like, LGBT and queer mm. um, writing and media and yeah. all kinds of things, we've, like, talked about. Yes. Which is why we swapped to this sort of more catch-up, geek-out format. Format. Because... Um, you know, doing a doing a fortnightly podcast isn't quite the best thing for like a news thing. No, it isn't. We'd cover most of the topics, and then quite a lot of what we were catching up about is like, well, the new season that thing I've already talked about. Yeah. So, I think I know. As we said when we announced this, we talked to a lot of people who have read uh, who listened to this, and they've said how important it is to them. And we are so grateful to those listeners and warmed to know that we've made a difference yeah but even if this is ending we're not going anywhere no we'll both still be on twitter we're leaving the the facebook group is still going to be up and running um there's still we're still discussing whether or not to have a discord server mm -hmm. but we aren't closing ourselves off no the, we're happy to keep having these conversations it's just it's not going to be a podcast yeah, and anyone that's ever listened to this and people have listened from the start or yeah. unfortunately this might be the first episode or whatever. Yeah. Um, you're always going to be part of like a secret little special group yeah. that I'm very, very 
pleased and grateful for. And to the guests we've had over the course of the show, mm-hmm. not as many as we would have liked, but that does, that means the few that we've had we treasure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gabe, Nemo, Sophie, Mel... Uh, Matt Baum, Matt Baum. For our live episode. Yep, we did a live episode, everyone. and you guys did the episode about Drag Race as well. Yep, and uh, Justin, mm-hmm. and uh, my sister Amber. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, maybe there weren't. I don't think there were. Yeah, I mean, I, again, we we did discuss a few um, like a month or two ago about ending this, and we decided to get to now where it's a two year anniversary. Yeah. Um, that feels neat to us. Yeah, and on the subject of neatness, as is apt for two people decidedly not straight, <laughs> we are coming full circle. Yeah. We decided to sort of finish where we started. With the live action remake <laughs> <laughs> of episode one. Yeah, uh, labels. Mm. To, uh, to look back uh, our notes from the first episode. Labels. Finding them, disregarding them, struggle to peel them off in one piece without leaving all that weird, gluey stuff behind. Um, I feel like you're getting lost in the metaphor. You may have a point. Shall we move on? Please. Oh, well, they're very useful. Uh, where, they're, uh, where they're not... I don't know what Where means. they're useful, where they're not, you know, that <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. We uh, definitely wanted little skitty moments. Yeah, no, that fell by the wayside very quickly. Um, our notes have got no more details than this. Nope. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, uh, we're still talking about some of the same shows mm-hmm. in what we've mentioned. Yeah. So I suppose, for those that don't remember or haven't listened to it, our first episode was all about labels and not just queer labels, about geekdom, mm-hmm. about how we describe ourselves when introducing to people. Yep. Um, I listened to the first episode um, on the way to record this. Yeah. And the very first thing you say is um, the first thing I always identify is as a geek. I don't know whether I do that anymore. Let's discuss this. Let's discuss. So what is the truth? <laughs> truth evolves. People change. How we identify isn't static. People are fluid. Mm. That, that's who we are. I still am a geek. You went on to discuss how geek is a loaded term. Yes. Um, I don't think the world of geekdom has particularly got any better in the last couple of years, maybe. No. I'm much more aware of how nothing exists without a huge backlash. Yep. Um, it's interesting how people on our side of things tend to be stereotyped as the reactionary, yeah. offended folk, but mm-hmm. give... What's that great tweet? Um, I think it's from an Edgar Allan Poe fake account, or <laughs> but somebody just saying, like, um, went to Starbucks... Uh, and saw people wearing pronoun badges. People are so easily offended these days, and the retweet is just like, sounds like you were the one that was offended, my dude. <laughs> mm. That's the thing. Like, yeah, I, I, it, it, it upsets me, but I think there was this element before, I know we talked about things like Gamergate in a very early episode, Yeah. but it feels like just everything's that now. Like, yeah. I, she like, how could that at all be... It's a remake of a show for little girls and... Made to sell toys. Made to sell toys. And it's now a show for little girls, presumably to sell toys and other things. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's doing the same thing. It's just different. Yeah. And what's annoying is that you see all of these people complaining about it who, at 
in the when the original Shira came probably out. Probably didn't watch it. Probably didn't remember it or probably complained about it. Why do we need a female He-Man? Yeah. It's so funny how like every like to certain fandom people, every single thing in the past is good and everything now is bad. Nostalgia's a trip. Yeah, it's probably why everyone keeps remaking stuff. Ain't that true? Yeah, unfortunately, the millennials got to make stuff and we're all just like, let's remake the other stuff. <laughs> we have no original ideas. We're poor and sad. We'll just remake the things that made us happy from our youths. So do you feel like nowadays you wouldn't instantly say, I'm a geek to people? I think it'd be one of the things that came up pretty quick. Mm. It, I think people would identify me as a geek. And this is a thing we talked about so much, just like how labels are useful for ourselves. Um you shouldn't apply labels to other people because that implies them trying to define you on their terms rather than you defining yourself on your own terms. I think your geekdom is different now, though. Yeah, um, obviously. I still watch a lot of media, um, but I wouldn't say I'm as deep into certain shows that have that sort of immediate geek connotation. However, I do spend the majority of my time playing tabletop games. Yeah, and it's interesting, like, one of our first few episodes was about tabletop games. and And getting into them. Getting into them, and you in that episode were saying how little you play them, how you've done a few sessions in the past which you really liked. Yeah. But you want to do more. And now this is my <laughs> life. Yeah. No regrets. Um, I'm part of an actual play podcast uh, where we play GMless games. I stream D&D twice a week. And I have a game that I've been with that group for over two years now. Mm-hmm. Playing D&D with the same bunch of people. I think this is our third campaign that we've now been doing for just over a year. And I would definitely uh, describe myself as a tabletop enthusiast. Mm -hmm. Is how I would describe myself. I'm intrigued to see. I'm going to have a look now. Because um, I remember on my Tumblr bio for ages, I had self-confessed fan geek for a very long time as my descriptor. Mm. Now I have hair dye aficionado, femme fatale, queer, talks into microphones a lot. Mm. So. I mean, again, when you started, did we start this because you got into podcasts or was doing this what got you into more podcasts? Um, There's a bit of an overlap there. I think I'd started listening to them and thought it'd be something that would be fun to do and Mm. I wanted to do it with you. Let's do a podcast together is the millennial equivalent of Let's Start a Band. Man, I'm going to have to take co-host of Box Not Included out of my Twitter bio. No, the show exists forever. <laughs> um, I'm very in awe of... I've li- I listened to a few, like... listen to a Pokemon podcast, and that has been going on for seven years or longer. Jeez. I listened to a few Doctor Who ones, and they're on, like, episode 500 and whatever. Mm. But I'm proud of us yeah. and what we've done. I would consider myself a podcaster. Yeah. I would definitely consider that as a label. I would, have, Even with this coming to an end, with the other one I'm part of, and I would love to be part of podcasts in future. It's just mm-hmm. at this point, Box Not Included is one that's not going to carry on. So a lot of the first episode, we actually talked about naming this podcast. We did. Um, I stand by our name. Do you still stand by it? I absolutely still stand by our name. I still like it. You're still not sure? I'm still not sure. It's not that I'm not sure. It's that it doesn't... When I say the title, it doesn't instantly tell, tell us people what, what, about. I'm about. what What is it about? Um, I try and like explain why it's called that. Yeah. Um, but I think what's interesting is that if you know, you know. Yeah. Like usually, I'm trying to explain this to, like, it's not. 
it's not an obvious oh that's queer unless you are in queer nerdom and you've yeah. seen the kind of there is no box stuff which is what we named our first episode about um i definitely do not dislike it good but, to know after uh, two years no <laughs> no it's really nice it's really fun to say each week yeah um that's something i'm really surprised about in our first episode is that we had everything we haven't actually changed the intro there's a little less scripted comedy yeah but um the intro is exactly the same yeah as but a... I'm broke. Don't fix it. No. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if it's not broke. <sighs> Bless that line. Love that line. So in terms of less geekiness, in terms of queerness. Yes. How do you feel your labels might have changed over the last two years? Um, I would still define myself as queer, trans, non-binary. Mm-hmm. Those, uh, I still use the terms bi and pan uh, because people know what you mean. And I'll probably use them again in the future. Um, I did a tweet about this recently. It was one of those like and I'll answer the question. The way I see it is at the end of the day, how my gender intersects with somebody else's it doesn't have a bearing on whether or not I find them attractive. Mm-hmm. That's not a factor. Uh, I would also use the label polyamorous, mm-hmm. probably more so because um, I am now at the point where I am not just <laughs> polyamorous in theory. I'm in two relationships right now. There's I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> Who knows what the future may hold. But that's a label I have and use. Mm. Um, this is something that Hamish and I were discussing over lunch, uh, is coming to an un- more of an understanding about what it means to me. And also, it's a fun thing. I had a conversation uh, with uh, Sophie Kainer of the Prenumbra podcast uh, with a project that she's doing. And about why I use the terms trans and non-binary. I don't just say non-binary. I don't just say trans because mm. there's overlap there. But it made me think about, um, for a lot of trans folk, they'll specify uh, trans feminine or trans masculine or trans femme, trans mask. And neither of those have ever felt right for me. So calling myself trans non-binary feels correct because I am trans, but I'm not moving towards one of the binary ends of the of the spectrum but a a kind of an understanding i've come to to myself is i perhaps identify more with trans femme amab people i feel like i have perhaps in terms of how i think about myself and how i want to feel i feel more kinship with that than i do with some of my amab trans mask friends Mm. that's sort of an interesting place to be in and what that means going forward as somebody that probably isn't going to do any kind of transitioning. So I suppose my labels haven't changed. My understanding of what those labels mean for me mm. kind of change. How about you? I remember it was one of my favourite things about my opening is I give this long explanation of my labels and you were just like, I'm Hamish, I'm gay. Yeah, I mean, that comes from... Um, I often... The gay people I know tend to be in friend groups in which everyone are gay cis men. I tend to not be that. Yeah. For whatever reason, I've ended up with majority queer, uh, non-binary, trans, or female friends. Yeah. Um, it's actually quite rare when I often go to like the birthday parties of a gay friend and I realise, oh, every single person here is a gay man. Yeah. Um, and the conversation is all drag race and... Um, 80 cinema and like I can keep up with that conversation that's fine yeah but 
I definitely that's not where I feel most comfortable. Yeah. Um, don't feel uncomfortable. Just feel my world is more the other side. So sometimes in friend groups, I have felt by far the most privileged. Mm. Um, sometimes when I say that I'm cis and gay, I remember in the early days of this podcast, I often felt um, worried to talk about that experience because mm. so much attention's put on it. It yeah. gets the most exposure. It's been discussed the most. Yeah. Um, definitely over the show's gone over. Um, and I think after uh, starting like the Facebook group and talking more to the people listening yeah, and hearing what they wanted to hear about, yeah, I definitely felt a bit more comfortable talking about my experiences um, and points of view. Sure. Um, I think in the first episode I talked about how I wrestled with um, whether or not I consider myself asexual. Yeah. I definitely don't anymore. Uh-huh. Um, I do believe in some ways... This is my last episode, so send all your complaints to the trash can. But um, Don't at me. I felt like there was a certain manipulative movement on the internet in some ways yeah. of defining... This is complicated to say. No worries. Um, there's asexuality. Yes. There's lots of different forms of asexuality, and that's cool. Yeah. But I did feel there was a, a small group of people that I got sort of manipulated into, into thinking that it was not asexual, it was not the definition of asexuality, it was some people's definition of what, I think it's called all sexuality or like... Allosexuality. Allosexuality was, which is you aren't allosexual unless you are constantly thinking about sex and constantly desiring it. And I think it did cause me and quite a few other people to start thinking, I guess I'm asexual then. Yeah. Because I can go years without it bothering me. Yeah. Um, and so I don't... I think this is similar, so I'm going to talk about polyamory as well in a second. And this is the same point for both of them. Yeah. My... M me not labelling myself as either of those has nothing to do with me not wanting to be seen that way. Yes. If someone thought I was that way, I wouldn't necessarily correct them. Yeah. But I feel like both asexuality and polyamory are communities. They have their own uh, sort of battles and I will be an ally to them. But I know I'm not experiencing the things that they are experiencing. Yeah, I think that's a fair thing to say. So in, ter in terms of polyamory, um, I am not in a 100% monogamous relationship. Uh -huh. um, Justin and I both... I think one of the things that makes me feel like I'm not polyamorous, and this and, and polyamory has lots of different, def, uh, has lots of a very definition. It's yeah. Why don't you think every relationship's different? So to a lot of people, this would count perfectly fine. Yeah. Justin and I only tend to um, be with partners together. Yeah. Um, it's not necessarily about us having relationships with other people. Yeah. Um, and everything's quite like. I feel like a lot of the polyamorous people I know that are like at least at some point set rules or at least a discussion about yeah what we're gonna how we're gonna do this yeah and that's not how me and my husband do things no so I feel I don't tend to use those labels even though by some people's definition you would qualify I would qualify yeah I think that's kind of interesting about, about labels because to me when I say I'm gay 
I'm not just saying the like on a base scientific level what mm-hmm. my like attraction. You, you as a man are attracted to men. Yeah, I use it as it's more about lots of things about me. It's about part of the culture I engage mm. in. Now that's super interesting. A post um, I've seen on Tumblr. It's somebody I've met briefly. Um, I wish I, w- I could call him a friend. Um, we're not close enough that I'd call us casual acquaintances. Um, his Tumblr handle was Jack Marlowe. Mm-hmm. Did this really good post about the pressure that is also given. I think a lot to people to pick an identity, mm-hmm. but also said uh, his point is getting across is to think about the community you want to be a part of. Yeah. And he was saying about how unhappy he kind of still was when he was identifying as non-binary and um, somebody that was maybe bisexual, pansexual, had sex with um, varying genders. Now he identifies as a gay trans man mm-hmm. and is part of the gay men community. Mm. That's And that's he's so much happier for it. And it's about rather than thinking about it in a very micro sense, what his point was saying is not to try and invalidate uh, identities people have, but rather to think about how you intersect with a wider community and how you want to intersect with that community. I think we talked about this when we talked about not being queer enough or not feeling queer enough. It's like um, we have um, friends of varying people across the gender spectrum who very much identify as as one thing, and while they would arguably, like you were saying, have every right to be part of, say, this or this or this, mm. that's where they are. Yeah. Because that's where they choose to be. Yeah. And, like, I mean, that's just... I, I know a number of people, um, a number of lesbians, who in the past identified as bisexual and not because they've stopped being attracted to multiple genders. Yeah. It's more that I am only interested in relationships in with relationships with women. Yeah. Um, I know some people like that. And like that's cool. That's valid. Yeah. I think I don't think no matter where you are on any gender or sexuality spectrum, there's often going to be a sense of guilt of not doing it right. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a universal feeling. Yeah. And so I think sometimes in the past in episodes I've said something that might have sounded dismissive. Yeah. When I say that um I think on I'm not queer enough where I sometimes hear bisexual people saying, I don't feel welcome at Pride, I don't feel queer enough. Yeah. And I can assure you there's lots of gay men who are welcome. not feeling queer enough for Pride. Yeah. Um, even ones dancing on the Top of the float. Yeah. For a lot of people, they're totally validated and yeah. exactly there. But like, um, but like we've talked about this. Um, Hannah Gadsby talked mm. about this in the net about not being one of those kinds of gay people and wondering, oh, is there not a place for me? Because yeah. I'm a quiet. One of my favourite things is the sound of a teacup perfectly lining up in a saucer. Uh, Tan French talked about it in an episode of Queer Eye mm. about that not being his community. Yeah. Because he came to things later. He came from a very different background. I mean, the gay community is obsessed with labels and, like, yeah. the different quote-unquote tribes that get assigned and, yeah. like, if you are this type of body, you are called that thing and you don't often get a choice in it. Yeah. Um, and that can be really scary. And, like, ultimately, that's actually kind of, like, a niche aspect of being gay. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, it's really important to certain people. But For to example, a lot, it's not. It's, like, <laughs> something that's interesting to know about me. Oh, while I may have an attraction to bears, yes, nothing turns me off more 
than like a bear pride flag or tattoo or yeah. self-described I'm a bear and I'm part of bear culture. Yeah. Because no offense, it often comes with lots of like its own very uh like judgmental body issues. Yeah. Um whereas liking a chubby hairy guy. Yeah. Like it, you'd think something like you know, the bear community is a way in which we can actually be free from that in the gay community, but it's just a new set of real new set of rules. Yeah. Um this is pretty heavy, but there's been I think I saw about this. A huge sort of drama in the gay community recently. I think yeah, please. I saw I think um, I read an article about this the other day. I don't know really why to talk about it, but it's just that um for want of any other phrase, there is a serial killer sex cultist amongst us who got away with everything thanks to kind of they're essentially like a tumblr famous person yeah i'm on tumblr a little bit so i don't mean to actually it was super mess it yeah the, the more i spend on twitter the more i'm just like <laughs> i miss tumblr um yeah he he it was it was all about um everyone in his kind of um like all his partners having to do terrible things to their bodies in order to be big enough. Yeah. And like Bella's the he it is believed that someone um who was in a relationship with has died due to like silicon implants yeah. from themselves. And it's just this is it's really weird trying to like seeing a label that describes you perfectly. Yeah. But the perception that comes from the community means that you don't necessarily want that label. Yeah. Um, in like a geeky sense, it's like how people used to say, I guess, before we all ended up realising that the Star Wars prequels are actually quite funny. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying like, I like Star Wars, only those ones. Or I like blank, only that one. Yeah. It's a bit like saying like, I'm gay, but one of, not one of those gays. But also, I'm not one of those gays that say I'm not, not like one of those, those gays. gays. I'm actually one of these gays that say like, I'm fine with being seen as one of those gays, but whatever, blah, 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 blah you know. Yeah. Um, labels are complicated because Absolutely. people can read them in different ways. Or when you say... I like. I remember this moment in the Kingston LGBT Society. Yeah. When I was, we were sharing stories about coming out and all the different times we've done it. Yeah. And I said that when I was working at Subway, I had a very um, out gay boss, but I never mentioned I was gay for a long time. Yeah. And then it came up in conversation, and I said I was. And I said, as soon as I said that, my boss became very different to me, and he was very like handsy and whatever. Mm-hmm. And. Someone in the group said, ooh, was that good? And I was like, no, no, it was really uncomfortable. And then he said, oh, was he fat? And I said, no, that doesn't bother me. And then they said, oh, are you a chubby chaser? And I was like, what? why are you thinking in such, like, t- in, in yeah. tags? Yeah. Like, it's not about that. No. And, like, I think I think that's why labels can be tough, is that, Almost all of them come with a, several other labels attached. Yeah. And, like, to move away from gender and sexuality for a moment, one of the things I will readily describe myself as is autistic now, mm-hmm. which um, after I get my... Di- I think I got my diagnosis not long before we started. Yeah. Um, but it's something I will freely describe myself as. People sure as fuck make assumptions about it. Yeah. 
but um, it's part. I'm looking. Uh, Laura K. Dow is releasing a book next year, uh, Uncomfortable Labels, about being an autistic trans woman, which I'm mm. super excited to read. I'm excited to read her. Oh, video game butts! <laughs> things I learned from Mario's butt. <laughs> yeah, I've been retweeting that. Um, we should uh, actually by this point, but yeah, uh, they need a set. Uh, they, they like Laura and her associates need a certain number of pre-orders for the book run to go mm. ahead. I don't like butts enough to warrant getting myself no, a copy no. of this book. I'm actually starting to realise I don't need like as hard as it is. I should only kickstart things I want to have in my house. Yeah, I had a lot of things where I'm like. Anyway, yeah, um, we're getting off topic as we are so want to do. Yeah, won't happen much longer, will it? But talking, oh, yeah, because I'm afraid we'll go on for five years. Yeah, um, um but you know, uh, another thing I wanted to talk about, um, is the way people who don't normally have labels get really defensive, mm. cis, mm. allosexual, mm. autistic, mm. neurotypical, mm. white, white, even male. Yeah. People don't realise how much they've Think been they're labelling the other people until someone says white person. Yeah. And like, I'm not a white person, I'm a normal person. Oh, so there you go. That's and that's the thing. the thing. It's like... People think they're the default. When people who are never used to being othered get othered. Yeah. And the thing is, it's not othering, it's categorization. Yeah. People get so angry at cis because they don't... That reminds me, I need to say women and trans women more. And not when I need to say women and cis women more. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love tweets where just like even cis women can do this or something, or like you know, mm -hmm. I just feel it happen. it doesn't seem to happen. Um, I'm not gonna even begin to try and work out why, yeah, it doesn't seem to happen with trans men more, but because of feminism, feminism in big <laughs> old air quotes, but like people keep thinking that the fight for trans equality is somehow like steering feminism off course fuck don't get me the fucking state of terms or a what well, the term i've now seen is farts which is feminism appropriating radical trans transphobes yeah i mean it's i there seems to be this huge problem of it in the UK. Not that it doesn't exist in America, but I feel like it's the liberal press here and like yeah, third wave very prominent, very loved third wave feminists, and just like liberal comedians can be as transphobic as they like and not be like cancelled in the same way that I feel like yeah. none of them have ever apologised. No, nope. people that I respect, Graham Lennon. Yeah, people I respect for so long. I've met Graham Lennon and he did like a um, script writing course at my. Yeah. Um, studio yeah and then i started making all these like angry at grand london tweets and someone at the studio who like booked him yeah they know each other said i'm really confused and upset what's going on and i explained it yeah and it was quite tough yes that's like i know saying that trans women are, are women is like doesn't to some people's mind that doesn't feel like the hill to die on because yes we all know that cis women and trans women have different experiences but the way at which they are shut out of any discussion or yeah. the way in which their requests for more inclusivity or yeah. is so directly harmful. Yeah. And to see it coming from prominent, beloved people in the media. Yeah. And I was really touched because I convinced like a room of people who never really thought about it. Yeah. It's like, it's, it makes me think of Town French again a little bit. Yeah. Even people in a queer community. The person I was talking to is, um, has described themselves as bisexual before. Yeah. 
even people who are queer can have such different social circles. Absolutely. It's, it's instantly quite baffling to me when I meet gay people and they say they've never really met a trans person before because I don't I know a lot of trans people. Yeah. Um, and I just think, you know, it's why we've talked before about how representation isn't just important for the people it's representing, but the people who aren't. So they, have so they can reps. see. Yeah. And, yeah. Every time that they, you know, Graham Linehan likes to always talk about, sorry to talk about him all this time, but like, he likes to always talk about all the trans people he knows and he'll, he'll always retweet the one trans woman in his mentions who's agreeing with him mm-hmm. as the example that proves the rule kind of stuff. Um, he has this really bad habit of ignoring any uh, calling out tweets from a woman then only retweeting the one from a man saying another man trying to describe what is and isn't a woman. I'm like, <laughs> no, no, you ignored a hundred tweets from women. Yeah. Um, anyway, fuck him. I, again, like, even when people say feminist now, I need to know where they're coming from. Yeah. I need to know their opinions on other things. Yeah, right. Uh, there you I go. T- the lo- feminist is a term I used to embrace because I do consider myself a feminist. Yeah. But, oh, I sure as fuck, like, the rise of fascism mm. and, ne- and neo-fascism. And That's people been that- a big thing over the last two years. Mm, hasn't it, though? And these people that call themselves feminists, okay, but what do you believe? Mm. What do you actually stand for? Yeah. Are you... And, like, this is separate to two years ago when we would have had this conversation and it would have been that... Because there was all that, like, I'm not a feminist, I'm a humanist. Like, no, say the word feminist. Yeah. But now, two years later, I'm I'm just like, like, you don't have to say the word feminist, but then also... Explain to me what your feminism means to you. Yeah. Is your feminism intersectional? What do you think about trans women? Yeah. And oh, specifically, what are your fo- feelings on the Gender ref- uh, gender Reform Act? Yeah, and this is the thing. It, that's why I, this, this is why they always complain that it's being co-opted, that it's being, the attention is being taken away from women's issues. It does upset me if any woman who, you know, is on the right side of this whole issue, yeah. but feels bad about talking about, like, medical issues that affect people who have... Uterus. Uh, yeah, stuff like that. Um, because in all, you know, discussions about it, we'll just talk about women. Yeah. And I don't think anyone is wanting to halt progress on any of those issues. Yeah. Um, it's just the world is better if we normalise the difference, that the, the variation that it is in yeah. humans. Absolutely. Um, ugh, labels. Labels. Also on the discussion, we did talk briefly about um, the way in which characters and media don't get labelled. Yes. And how we have to often label characters. Yeah. So it also happens to figures in history. This is true. Um, there's lots of people. There's. There's been talk recently about James Barry again, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, sort of made significant step forwards in science, and I believe was the first person to do a cesarean. Mm. Um, things about uh, hygiene uh, within the medical profession. All evidence would suggest that James Barry uh, was a trans man. Mm. Uh, his final requests about um, not being undressed uh, when prepped for burial, things like that. Yet people still insist on describing James Barry as a woman who dressed as a man. Mm. And, like, it happens with everyone. I think the problem is 
there's that conflict of wanting to label them so that we can prove we've always been here, that we have history. Versus labels as we understand them wouldn't have meant anything then. Yeah, they wouldn't have identified that way. No. Um, I always think about Marsha P. Johnson, who, mm. from all accounts, was a trans woman and a drag queen. Yes. But there's always quotes of her saying... I am a man, things like that. Yeah. Um, but would they have felt differently now? And I yeah. think the problem is they're not around anymore. Yeah. But even like people now, and this, I had a conversation with my mum my about this the other day, about um, we haven't changed as a people. The way we talk about things has changed. The mm. conversation has changed, not people have people them. Uh, uh, but yeah. we came, well, one of the things that came up in our discussion was uh, Eddie Izzard, mm. who used to freely identify as a transvestite. Now has recently said about being genderqueer, about being non-binary. Richard O'Brien, um, in the recent years, has talked about it as well. Mm. How the terminology changes and how we as younger people of the community, um, this is true of the people younger than us, giving older people a hard time for the labels they choose for themselves. Mm. Uh, people who still call themselves transsexual, for mm. example. Yes, that isn't the preferred term now. Um, I think Jackson Bird did a good video about this recently or it came up in a video of his and just talking about how if people choose a label for themselves that's their right to do so you don't get to take that away from them yeah but you shouldn't use it <laughs> I've got a friend who um, describes herself as transgender generally yeah but in the in the safe circles likes to use transsexual because it does connects them with a history yes. and a sort of a kind of political power that comes with it. I always associate people who identify as transsexual as people who um, are very clued in and know exactly why they're saying so. Yes. I think there's an idea... People that, don't use that term accidentally. Yeah, it's very... Not for themselves, I should say. Yeah. Um, it's, not a, it's, it's one of those words where, like, you cannot call me that. But, I'm calling myself that. Yeah. I feel a similar thing about the word queer. Yeah. Uh, as in, not queer as in happy, but queer as in fuck you. Yeah. And I get, and there's the fucking ever ongoing discourse about the use of the word queer, which is one of the big things for us mm. and why certain things we didn't use as a title, but why we freely describe this as a podcast from a queer perspective. Also, it's the difference we're calling somebody a queer versus somebody using, somebody using it as a noun versus an adjective, yeah. I guess. But I like the word queer because I feel connected to a history. Mm. So, And I think I just... I Debates about what people's labels were do time you out. It, it comes with Freddie Mercury because yeah. there's a lot of evidence he was bisexual. Yes. But as I already mentioned on this episode someone's sexual uh history i suppose yeah. uh, but all current situation isn't what defines them it's what they call themselves yeah and didn't call themselves anything freddie was a very private man yeah at the end of the day um what's i don't want i the thing is i don't want i want bisexual people to um, I want him to be what people need him to be. Yeah. 
I don't want gay people to erase bisexuality from them. That's not no. useful to anyone. Um, but I guess I just don't want um, the debates around our heroes to get in the way of, like... Who they were as people and the impact they made. Yeah. Um, I find it interesting with... Uh, I have not seen and will not probably see <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody. Apparently there's a discussion. There's discussions. Um but that one one thing that's telling from that film is that it's made very much with Queen the still insists that they are mm. as relevant today as they ever were as a band. Yeah. Um it's very much a, a product from them. Yeah. Um same thing happening with there's Nelson John movie really coming out next year in which Nelson John is an executive producer of it. Yeah. And uh that's cool. We've also we have talked about queer people telling their own stories. Yeah. Um but Sometimes I guess the mythology is more important to people. Yeah. Someone like Marsha P. Johnson, who for a long time, for a long time for drag queens, and I say that because the there is an overlap, and I think to completely erase it erases a lot of history that we share yeah. together. Uh-huh. Um, but was often considered a hero for, dra- uh, for drag queens, who yeah. would say, like, a drag queen first, through the first break. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important for people like that, their legacy to be important to who they need to be important to. Yeah. And so I think what I'm trying to say is labels are important. We can try our best to label people from the past in order to acknowledge our... Connection to them? Yeah. And the impact that they have or have had? Yeah. But I don't think we should take the fights too seriously. And people can be more than one thing. And, like, yeah, people can... Like, as I said, people can be bisexual and a lesbian at the same time, as friends have proven. In, yeah, like, you can be terms. a non-binary woman, a non-binary man. Yeah, you can have many labels than just the one. Mm. Which is why I only call myself gay. <laughs> <laughs> but part of the reason I call myself gay is a little bit on the same with the transsexual thing, where to me, when I say gay, I connect myself to... I remember when I first saw Paris is Burning, something that really struck a chord with me was everyone in that film identifying as gay, whether nowadays we'd consider them trans women or yeah. drag queens or bisexual. It's it, Back then it felt like an umbrella term. Yeah. And I do feel lucky to be able to use a label, which everyone I ever meet will understand Knows what, what you I mean. mean. Um, that is a privilege. Yeah. Um, you and I have talked about this uh, with regards to me going to Pride, and I'm excited to say, I don't know if you saw me, you probably did because it was on Facebook actually, um, the there is in the town where I live. There's movement to have our first Pride Parade next year, nice. which I'm super excited about. So I'm gonna try and get involved in that. And I'm also terrified that we're gonna get glassed and have shit thrown at us. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna be involved. It's not that it's nice to be glassed, but it's important to remind yourselves that even if you live in the heart of Soho and mm. you go to Pride and you feel like every fight has been won, yeah. Um, there are always places where it's not okay and they're not as far away as you like to think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the reason why I mentioned Pride um, is because you and I have talked about I never know what flag I should have. Mm. And you and I, and she said, I could just use a rainbow flag. But mm. that don't feel right. Using the bi flag or the pan flag. Yeah. The trans flag I would feel happy to carry. Mm-hmm. But it's... It's just one of those things. And even once we have 
um, a label. And like you said earlier, we can sometimes struggle within it and what that means for us. This was another thing that came up uh, when we were talking at lunch. I, uh, as I said uh, at the top of the episode, I consider myself queer and how my gender intersects with other people's isn't a factor in whether or not I'm going to find them attractive. Alternatively, I'm gay for everybody, regardless of what their gender is. That said, looking at trends, I suppose, I significantly seem to find myself attracted more, like barring celebrities, uh, to cis men. And I'm trying to deal with my own internalised bullshit about that me making me less queer as somebody that is perceived as female most of the time and and like AFAB. And also overwhelmingly being found attractive by cis men who mostly identify as straight mm. and how that does or doesn't invalidate my gender identity. Though, to be fair, to a couple of the men involved have said, okay, well, clearly I'm not straight then, mm. which is... Incredibly validated. It's like, oh, I broke you. You're no longer <laughs> cishet. <laughs> Such is my power. Yeah. But baggage. I mean, Internalised bullshit. I've said before that, like, despite saying I'm gay, if I were attracted to someone and then they said they wanted a man, yeah, I don't imagine my attraction to not exist anymore. It's a very complicated thing. Yeah. Um, what did I just say? I don't. I. I, I didn't know if I. You're was... a gay man, but if somebody you were attracted to decided they weren't a man or told yeah, you they weren't a man, it would, I. I don't think it would um, stop me being attracted to them, and that's why I, when I say gay, I do use it in quite a loose sense. Yes. So again, when someone sometimes when people say they're gay, I'm like, okay, but what do we mean here? Because I, I do not fucks with gays who are like I'm a platinum star gay I've never even been near a vagina and like mm -hmm. that whole thing no fats no femmes no Asians yeah I'm not actually here's a funny thing about labels yeah so we're gonna talk about grinder. yeah so I mostly use a, an app called Scruff <laughs> I like the name um and there there's a big list of like into yes. stuff and it's very strange because you're okay. only allowed to select five. Right. So you got to prioritise your five. And I had this long conversation with, because I, I do change them occasionally. Okay. Got to mix it up. But like... It's Man can't really have tough. vanilla ice cream every day. Well, no, no, but it's tough because it, it makes it feel like everything's fetishy. Yes. So I briefly had trans on there to signify I'm a welcome space you can talk to me I'm not going to be freaked out by anything yeah but all I got was people assuming that it was like my fetish and yeah. it was like my secret shameful kink right some people are like not in like a they're coming to be judgmental like people go on that to like hook up yeah and they're like yeah I'm going to be your whatever and I'm like That's no not no no I, I just wanted people to like know that they could yeah and like Often that's meant that when I've put that on, people will assume I am. Yeah. Which doesn't bother me. But, like, are you coming to me for a fetish? Yeah. I, it's, like, that's why, like, selecting five labels is really weird. Like, one of the labels is bisexual. Like, if me selecting that 
the the app and the people looking at me thinks that I'm into that when actually what I'm meaning is I'm not Welcome going to, to discriminate against you for that. Yeah. That's so interesting. And like um, it's not clear where where that line is. Yeah. I mean we could we've never, we didn't go into it originally just like getting into dating profiles and saying the things you like. <sighs> like how would you describe yourself on a dating profile these days? <laughs> <laughs> I like hair dye aficionado and femme fatale, quite frankly. Femme fatale. I do describe myself in most places as crocodile enthusiast. Yeah, I use tabletop enthusiast a lot too. Mm. Because it's just like a starting point. People, Mm. because of it, people do send me crocodile pictures a lot and I'm always fine with it. Yeah. Show me the big... Show me the boys. (laughs) Show me the big chunky skate Show me the good dogs. (laughs) The dogs. Um, That's a good dog. That's a good dog. Um, I don't know, I just like... I mean, I will say my go-to is to always lean with funny picture of myself because choosing your picture is also in a way of labelling yourself. Yeah. And, like, nothing tires me out more than seeing a picture of someone, like, skiing or, like... What does that say about you? Yeah, like, okay, great. You're financially secure. (laughs) That's what you're trying to say. Yeah. Or Um, you're athletic. Or you wish you were. It's like a picture of, like, 20 people on, like, a holiday. I'm like, okay, but which one are you? Um... I tend to lean with more like, for a long time, (laughs) it sounds really bad, for a long time, my picture on Scruff was me, like, pirouetting in front of a wall of skulls in the the Paris Paris catacombs, I was like, which are like, those are literally dead people. Yeah. But like, Absolutely. I just wanted people to like, get from me, like, I'm not here to be too serious. You're a reverend. I'm not. Like, clearly I have the body that means I have to use humour to get people into it. <laughs> so, <sighs> let's just start there. And actually, I found myself um, enjoying myself a lot more when I was, like, not trying to hide being fat or being, like, yeah. anything. I was like, I, I only want to talk to the people that are, like, into this. Mm-hmm. You can't If you can't love me at my chubby dancing in front of skulls, Skulls. you, you don't, don't deserve. deserve me at my, like, smouldering black and white. Yeah. There's one, uh, a label uh, about body size and about body mm. shape. I do tend to identify as just fat. Yeah. It's kind of like a word I try and reclaim a little bit because it's interestingly how, it's interesting to me that it's often something that like blasts me out of like a daze or whatever mm. of people using fat to mean ugly. Yeah. Um, and it's so interesting. I've actually noticed this. I do this um, like pinup book called Beef. Yes. Um, of like just, it's called a fat manzine. Yeah. And I actually don't know if I really want to sell that anymore because yeah, it's really strange because at, at FlameCon, um, everyone got it. Yeah. Perfectly fine. That's what it was there for. Yeah. Every time I've sold it since, I've had very strange conversations. A, most people, like, if people pick it up and laugh, I don't mind because we talked in our sex episodes about how, like, that's just... A, yeah, we're giggly people. The, the British action. people are giggly. And I, I giggle at it. It's just like, you know, it's kind of funny. Some of the butts. Pictures, yeah, some of the pictures are tongue-in-cheek. Not literally. That's the X-rated version yeah, of beef. Um, but so many people just like... Is this a joke? Well, they, they pick it up because they think, oh, it's a fat men book. It's going to be, like, funny. Yeah. And then, like, the first few pages are, like, pin-ups. Yeah. And, like, oh. Some people... I have like some people feel a need to. I don't think I'm the fastest person ever, 
And I yeah. don't think people often read me as that. I sometimes can get away with people not thinking I am or something. Yeah. But I I've tended to like myself a lot more when I started identifying that way. Yeah. And um definitely not thin. Yeah, this it's a label that I myself have wondered about using mm. because I'm sure as fuck not thin. But I always worry, and it's so often the case I overthink things, that I am not fat enough to call myself fat. Because it's like people that use thick incorrectly. Oh, yeah. It's just like, I would argue that my thighs definitely kind of qualify as thick. Mm. But I don't ever want to take away from something that people are working really hard to reclaim. Yeah. So I tend to like, this is, um my friend told me this, it's a Japanese subculture, fashion subculture. Um, they call themselves marshmallow girls. <laughs> and I really like describing myself as marshmallowy because mm. I am like soft and squishy. Yeah. And I, I like think that. also you're um, intensely elven, like... There's something uh, about the face. You give off a sort of, like, spindly forest, like, creature vibe. Whereas I have got the hips <laughs> of a fucking 15th century peasant washerwoman. There's <laughs> oh, a lovely silver right here. What is it? Uh, I was chatting to my mum and my sister about this the other day, about how wasted my hip-to-waist ratio is mm. on me. Because, like, one, I don't want to have a feminine silhouette and I'm stuck with it. Two, I have no desire to have children. Mm. Elvor. Three, uh, it seems to signify to a certain kind of straight guy. Mm. Like, lizard brain kicks and goes, Ah, yes, there is a woman to bear my child. I must <laughs> thrust my loins towards them. Because they don't know. And as I say, ain't ever going to be a fucking baby up in here. This is <laughs> this is wasted real estate, quite frankly. <laughs> But yeah, I am. Um, I because I have very delicate wrists and ankles as well, which I think adds to that sort of. Like when I tell people, I basically uh, kind of like to describe myself as a fae that came over and tried. Fae meets eighties rock star, mm. not in a David Bowie sense necessarily, but I have. If I, I'm at my most confident where I look like an eighties rock star that possibly just stepped over from the fae world. I mean, you have commented on the fact that when I've drawn you, I've tended to give you quite sort of pointy angular features which is usually my style is very like round. round it's often because i've been drawing you in relation to me yeah and i definitely we have those different face shapes for yeah sure. i definitely view myself the way i draw myself is very far away from what i look like yeah but it's like that's what cartoon me looks like and i have this idea of what cartoon you looks like uh-huh but um I don't, again, like, it's up to you. I understand not wanting to, it's the same thing with asexuality and polyamorous. Like, I, I'm not involved. I'm not in that community. Yeah. Um, so with something like, uh, the funniest thing I ha- I've had, though, with beef yeah. is someone said, oh my God, that looks just like my brother. And I went, what's his Instagram? Yeah. <laughs> like, really off the bat. Yeah. Um, and like, oh, is he here? Um, and like, it, I don't know, I, I, I try to, like, generally disarm them by, like... Sometimes it's very disarming when people's like, yeah, I'm fat. Because it's, like, one of those things where people say, like, ooh, can't ever mention it. Yeah, but because like, it's because we've been so conditioned to think of fat as a bad thing. And also, like, it, it does fat, happen for me. Sometimes when I get commissions, yeah. there is always that question of, like, I have no problem with drawing fatness. Is someone going to be offended if, if I, I draw, draw them, them fat? I, my cover is that I do tend to draw everyone a bit fatter than they are, yeah. generally. That's yeah. just the way I draw things. Uh-huh. But it's come up a couple of times. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't try... I don't... T- if someone's sending a couple's picture... Yes. And 
one is a lot skinnier than the other. Yeah. Um, hired to do essentially cartoony caricatures. Yes. I'm going to embrace the difference between the two, but... Yeah. I've definitely... I've commissioned people, and sometimes I've noticed that they've been trying to flatter me. Yeah. And, like, yeah. I actually now say... And I sometimes get commissions when people say, like, make sure I'm fat. Yeah. Um... It was really validating, actually. Yeah. When I started putting on lots of weight, I got Drew Green to do a commission of me and Justin. Yeah. And he's like, all he draws draws is like bear dudes and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, just make sure I'm fat. And like instantly, I was like, I get myself now. I feel like comfortable. Yeah. I know where my place is. I need to get a commission of me, with my partially kind of idealized mm. self, which is like with a distinctly less of a pair and more just like I would love to have to get a picture of myself being like my my weird kind of pointy face. But with like a belly and a butt, because a funny trend I've noticed. Well, it's like not funny. It's really cute. Mm. A trend I've noticed is a lot of people who, after after coming out, yeah, and beginning transitioning, I've noticed a lot of them commission, yeah, and have like uh, goals, icons, yeah, and I've noticed like yeah, that's basically what you look like. But I understand where you've asked to like exaggerate certain yeah. things or heighten certain things. And I think that can be really imp- like. Even though, you know, it's very different to me commissioning a fat illustration of me. Yeah. It's that, I do understand that, like, mm. a kind of vision board version yeah. of yourself. You've drawn me, like, top to bottom a couple of times. Um, mm. Not often. One of my favourite pieces you've done is when um, all of my cosplays from Nine oh, Worlds yeah. one year. And you've known me since coming out as non-binary. I never feel busty in any art that you've done of me. Mm. And it looks like me, and it looks like my proportions, but I don't look as busty as I feel. Is that good? Yes, it's a very good thing, and it makes me feel good. Mm. Because that's more about how I want to be seen. Because frequently I I feel like... It's a thing that causes me dysphoria. Yeah. But as somebody not in... I've tried to wear binders, and I've possibly not got them on small enough, but they don't do enough. Or they don't feel... I don't... I haven't worn a bra in fucking two and a bit years. Mm. I ain't going back. <laughs> Might get like in a old sports bar if I decide for some reason to take up a form of exercise. I mean, same. <laughs> but it's just my the things my key things that cause me dysphoria are my bust and my hip to waist ratio. And seeing stuff that negates that is mm. just like if only it were true. I mean, I see it from um, uh, Mia Violet and people mm. that the idea of um she has the book yes you are trans enough yes i and, need to read that but she's always campaigning like twitter campaigning but yeah. you know she's always making tweets just saying like yes it's okay to explore this you have an, it's like okay to try a binder on and, like, even if you don't know yeah i've done it i've i'm very as far as i know i'm very clear that i'm a cis man yeah but i've you know thought about it i've i've try to think about it yeah so i like if people over you know put way too much focus on the idea of trans trenders than possible it's very frustrating because it's like yeah no people who have explored it and realize they not do exist yeah um and you know and that's okay talking about it more and making more people realize that they are is only making people happier yeah like god if i could burn down anyone that talks about rapid onset gender dysphoria Mm. she's like no people are leave home and they're fucking transphobic controlling parents mm. uh, that's another rant i was gonna <laughs> say for another day mm. 
Um, you can deny it all you want, Hamish. It's, it's coming. coming. It's coming. Um, so what if we kind of shift towards a conclusion to this topic? Yeah. Um, since we have done our first episode, yeah. In what ways do you feel like grateful for this podcast? I feel like I've gotten better at being critical of how I see things as well as looking at things. I think it's encouraged me to engage more in a critical thinking of the stuff I enjoy, which I appreciate. I think the same. And also I feel like before doing this podcast, I, I was very much like it's either good or problematic and bad. Ding. Yeah. No in between. And I think it's, we've explored a lot of middle ground where we yeah. can, I'm much more confident in enjoying the things I enjoy and knowing that you can enjoy things. Yeah. Even if there's issues. Absolutely. Uh, I think the way I've approached different things has changed. Um, I feel, I know, more confident in myself and how I think about things. What I just said about looking and thinking about, because I have had that thought over these two years, I feel like I can state my opinion more. Not in the everyone should listen to me well actually kind of a sense, but rather I feel like I've maybe found my voice a little bit in a way that I maybe didn't use to express it. Because yeah. I've gotten so comfortable be having this uh, avenue of things to talk with you, yeah. I just like yeah no, I know my opinion, I know my own voice. Yeah. And that's Definitely a good though, thing. early on, I was very much like, well, I'm going to recap all the opinions from people I trust on Twitter. Yeah. Whereas now I tend to like know what I feel, and then I find examples. Yeah. To back it up or. Yeah. I feel the same. I've I've really enjoyed having an outlet. Sometimes yeah. when there's like Twitter discourse, I'm like, I don't need to talk about this. I'll work this out when we yeah. record. Or, um... And also, mm. like, sometimes criticizing something heavily on this podcast has been a way of literally when we did, um, when I was criticizing the 13th Doctor a lot. Yeah. As soon as we stopped recording, I was like, yeah, it's quite a good series, actually. Now that I got all that out, we're letting the cat in for a final special. Because he won't shut cameo. up. He won't shut up. He knows it's... Can't stop, won't stop. He's getting sad. He knows it's the end. Apparently. Um, Come here. It's been really nice to, like... No? You don't want to do that? Okay, there we go. It's interesting. I definitely thought starting this would get called out a lot more. Yeah. We talk in our first... We've, had, we've had nice fans. Yeah. Um, I think people have given us a good benefit of the doubt if we've not understood something or... Um, I'm just grateful to our listeners generally. Yeah. Thank you for downloading our episodes and talking about them. We've made, I think, friends oh, yeah. through this for sure. It's been really nice to sort of direct people to, like, oh, I do a podcast. You can learn more about my views on this. Yeah. Um, we've definitely attracted and kept listeners that I think, you know, hold our worldview. Echo chambers are not a bad thing sometimes in no. this world. We definitely need all the, like, you know, support we can get. Yeah. Um. And, like, I don't know. I, I just feel glad. To, don't be sad. It's not really glad it happened. happened. Yeah. Well, I forget what the quote's from. Just, like, uh, there are no happy endings because nothing ever truly ends. Mm. Which I like. There's, like. there's 500 quotes from regeneration episodes of Doctor Who. Yeah. Of like, you know. Absolutely. 
I can't switch to the document now because I have a cat in my arms, <laughs> so I can't see what's next. Because if I stop petting him, he will claw out of my arms and I'll get a cat claw in my shoulder. Sad news is there really isn't much left. <sighs> we've talked a little bit how we've changed. We've talked about what we're grateful for. Is there anything more to talk about? In this context, there's always <laughs> more stuff to talk about. Well, something that we never really worked out was what to call our listeners. What's that label? Yeah. There's something nothing ever felt quite right. No. Funny pun. no, we had the no box vox pop as the thing for when we'd hear from our listeners. Mm. I feel like the thing, the takeaway I want to say is uh, embrace being problematic. Yeah. You're never going to be perfect. We're always learning. Yeah. You I'm can not... always be better. Yeah. But don't learn from the shit that we get wrong. Don't cancel yourself. No. Um, I think, especially those of us which do have privilege in whatever way, we've all, like, come from a place and we're continuing to going to a place where, like, no one, no one, no one wakes up and goes, I'm woke now. And well, some everything. people do, but <laughs> yeah. don't mean they're right. <laughs> I mean, some of us do it quicker than others, but there's no, like, end goal. Yeah. Every day I'm discovering something new about the world, a yeah. different kind of people that um, have been marginalised or something like that. But it never really ends. No. And we, um, I guess as queer people, we have our own battles, but sometimes we have to recognise when it's not all about us no. as well. Um, <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. This podcast might be coming to a close, but you might hear from us again. I'm sure we'll do like one-offs if something comes up and we just have to talk about it. The podcast feed isn't going anywhere yet. It'll be there for a while if you want to download episodes. Um, we're going to maybe make a Dropbox available so everything's there even after we disappear from... Soundcloud, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, there's never going to be a time in which it's unavailable. No, we will always make sure. I'm it's like, not going to be deleted, purged from the earth. It's still totally cool to like recommend this to someone. If you. Yeah, the stuff... We're proud of what we've done. Yeah, We've done topics where I feel like if someone says, oh, you want to know about that topic, yeah. check out their episode on this. Yeah. The Box Not Included Twitter account is going to stay open. Mm -hmm. uh, we still have our uh, Gmail address, Box Not Included at Gmail. The Tumblr we've been awful with, but mm -hmm. it is still there. Well, but the thing is, I tend to not reply to messages we get so that we can cover it on the show. Mm. I think from now on, if we get messages on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, it'll be yeah. quicker too. Yeah. And the Facebook group is definitely not going anywhere. Please join up. There's yeah, yeah, lovely yeah. folks in there already. It's a great place to have discussions. Um, I wanted to say that uh, there are other podcasts available on a similar theme. Um, I've been listening to a, a much more popular, much <laughs> more uh, polished um, fairly comedic show called Throwing Shade, but it's very political. And yeah. again, it's a show about um, a gay guy and a feminist. And when we say feminist and when we say gay person, we mean, I mean the ones that we, do, yes. we like. The ones for, for aforementioned. Yeah. I actually first saw them at a live show because a friend was like, I have tickets. And I was like, right. I've heard of this, let's go along. But they cover really like sad and intense things, but always yeah. can like crack a smile. Yeah. Um, they have this running joke where they always, they tend to do the ads, the girl, um, 
in the voice of the Easter Bunny. He was like, hey. And it's like really uncomfortable <laughs> and weird. It's really disgusting. But that's what happens when you come into a podcast like 400 episodes. Yeah. And it's like, I do not know what's going on. But it's yeah. weird. Um, there's also a show called Magical Boys. Okay. Um, tends to lean more anime and video games, but is also a show about geek culture from queer perspective. Yeah. Um, it's by... Uh, God, I can't remember the name of one of the co-hosts, but DJ Kirkland, who's a friend of mine. Yeah. Um, it's pretty good. If you enjoy hearing queer people shooting the shit, check out Queer and Pleasant Strangers, mm-hmm. uh, which Laura Cadell does. I don't know uh, who her podcasting partner is in that endeavour, yeah. but it's, I understand he's very funny and full of random shit. Um, and I think both of us will still be in your ears if you wish it absolutely I am a part of Follow the Leader you can find us at, at FTLcast on both Twitter and Tumblr it's an actual play podcast where we play GMless games we stream periodically as well and on the subject of streaming I'm a part of the Natural Ruckus uh, D- mostly D&D collective we do occasionally play other games we stream on Mondays and Fridays at 7pm GMT I do a um incidentally queer ghost podcast which seems to air every like full moon basically called the poltercast um i'm occasionally on my brother's podcast games on film just mm-hmm. about video game movies um and i believe we're recording this episode at a slightly odd time so i'm not entirely sure but yeah. i believe i am starting a podcast with mel Pisswich trender um about comics which is an area of geekdom that's significant but nothing we've really talked about mm-hmm. um and that will be called uh full bleed Ooh, good name um i don't know when that'll be but nah. we'll Keep be posting links field. to stuff in the facebook on the twitter blah 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 blah, blah. um but yeah uh you can continue to find us directly on twitter uh i'm at hamish steel i'm at Rose, and finally for the last, <laughs> finally, finally, we'd like to thank Graham Waller, audio overlord and master of the sound waves. He did our theme music. He's helped produce the podcast over the two years. <sighs> but for the final time, I'm Jade Rose. I'm Hamish Steele. And, and don't, don't let, let anyone, anyone box you in. in.